Oh, no, no, hold sword. on, hold on. What do you need? No, oh, no, you just, you just wait. I know what you need. You do not. I'm excited. You do not. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast where three mates ask each other the really deep questions, purely to have the opportunity to voice their own biased opinion. Not really. I actually do rely on you guys to give me answers because I don't know most of the time. Welcome to episode two. Today we are going to be discussing prayer. I am Sam Clear, and opposite me is. I'm Marty. Um, yeah, I. I've... That wasn't really the smoothest segue. Do you want to do that again? What do you want me to Hi. say? I'll do the same thing. Okay. Marty, who are you? Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Marty. I'm a, I'm an engineer. Um, I don't know why I keep saying that. Actually, to be honest, so is it relevant? I just <laughs> like I got to define myself by my job. I'm a man holding a pack of Mentos. I'm a man with Mentos. Um, and on the other side of Marty, did you have something else to add? I was just going to say I'm. I've got an opinion. Marty's wearing a Bon Jovi T-shirt today. It looks good. Yeah, looks very good. Opposite Marty, Father Dave Callahan. I'm Father Dave. I am a priest with the Missionaries of God's Love, based in Canberra, currently sitting in Sydney, talking to you guys. Welcome to Sydney. And it's good to be here. Lovely to be here. We're going to be talking about prayer. Now, I had genuinely had the, the privilege of, during the walk around the world, having maybe between six and 12 hours set aside every day for prayer, because I'd start walking from a town and it's going to take me six to 12 hours to get to the next town. And I've got all that. I didn't have a, any music with me, although I did sing a bit, but I didn't have any, like an iPod or anything like that to listen to music as I went, didn't have a mobile phone. So nearly 19 months, 15 and a half thousand Ks around the world and six to 12 hours a day set aside for prayer. And I remember on one particular day deciding I'm going to pray a rosary. And I did the sign of the cross and an hour later actually started praying. And it wasn't that I'd forgotten. I had an hour of silence before I actually said something. And that's not an opportunity that I've had in daily life since. Uh, but I learned a lot in that time about prayer, but also about listening to God. And Marty, the, the very first time we met each other, running up Mount Wellington, you invited me to go to a Bible study. And then there was a, a prayer. It was basically a, a study. The Bible study was a study of the Holy Spirit. If I remember correctly. Well, you'd be the only one to remember it because... Because you didn't even, go. Yeah, I did invite you, but I didn't go. You did half the work. So are you, yeah. the, are you the son that said yes and then didn't work? Or, I think or of myself no? more as the third the son third that son. wasn't written about who said no and didn't go. <laughs> Not sure if he was better or worse than either of the other. Well, yeah, anyway. I had some amazing moments over the course of the journey and particularly with prayer. And Father Dave and I have been building a stone chapel uh, over the last two years. I can't yeah. believe you build churches without me. Well, you live on the other side of the country. Move back east. Okay. Do it. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> but Father Dave and I have been building a little stone chapel up on a mountain in Tasmania. And there are lots of conversations that I had when it's just two of us up on a mountain trying to figure out a 3D jigsaw puzzle of stones revolving around prayer and what that is. And I, I want to start with this. In Costa Rica, I, I'd become like a, a wild dog, if I can put it that way. Have you ever seen a wild dog trying to drink from a puddle? As in, they just can't relax. They're just too aware of their surroundings. There's no safety in them. They're scared. Of every, or everything's a threat, I'll put it that way. And so even drinking from a puddle, they keep checking their surroundings. They'll even change their position at the puddle so they can see better what the possible threats are. I'd become that. By the time I arrived in Costa Rica, which was maybe four or five months into the journey, I'd already been held at gunpoint three times. I'd already had two bedroom invasions and had to fight the guys off in the middle of the night. Um, I had been stoned as in people had tried to stone me to death, um, people throwing rocks at me as hard as they possibly could. I have been refused accommodation in hotels and being shooed out, being told no accommodation for your people, you are not welcome here. 
and I did not feel safe whatsoever. And I walked into Costa Rica, and during prayer, while walking, I felt that God asked me, let it go. Just let it go. I don't want you to fight back. In fact, the last thing that had happened, which was still on my mind in the, in the previous country. Let it go. Well, let it go. That went through my head when I said it. <laughs> and I was going to say it's dangerous to say that line now. But you went there anyway. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah, so I was in Costa Rica. But before getting into Costa Rica, I had a guy try and beat me up with a huge metal torch, a foot-long metal torch. He was drunk. He was trying to beat me over the head with it. Um, I managed to get away from him, but whilst he was drunk, he still was smart. He didn't try and come after me. He hitched a ride 150 metres down the road, got out of the car again, and then just To go came again? Back. Yeah, just to go again. I'm not going to walk after you. I'll just hitch a ride in front of you and then come again. This time, though, he corralled me. He wasn't going to let me get past, and we ended up in a bit of a tussle. Um, he went to hit me with the big metal torch. I grabbed his hand. Uh, but then with the other, my free hand, I grabbed him around the shirt and was pushing him back, doing little shirt punches. We're doing this bizarre little dance down the side of the road. That's because you used to play AFL, so it came naturally to you, these little shirt punches. Yeah, because you can't actually hit properly. Yes, correct. You played rugby, didn't you? <laughs> would have been a different <laughs> result. <laughs> <laughs> and Father Dave, you're a cyclist, so you would have just ridden straight through him and kept going. Something like that. Over the handlebars. If you had a bike at the time, I'm sure you would have done something similar. Uh -huh. <laughs> But while we're in this tussle, all of a sudden, a soldier, fully camouflaged, steps out of the bush and puts an AK-47 to my head. And at that point, I'm thinking, great. It's just gone from bad to worse, bigger fish. But the bloke with the metal torch is still yelling at me. So, I don't know, the soldier wasn't with the drunk bloke. He's got a gun at my head. I've got this other bloke who's still screaming at me with the big metal torch. He swings the AK-47 to the guy with the metal torch and in Spanish says to him, shut up. And he did. He went silent all of a sudden. He put the gun back to me and just said, give me your passport. Showed him a passport. He looked at it with the other free hand, then gave it back to me and just said to me, enjoy your walk. Turned around, arrested the other guy, looked back at me and said, it's okay, I saw everything from the bush arrested that bloke, and as we're standing there, I look up and realise there's a Humvee driving down the road towards us. He'd already rung in before he'd stepped out of the bush. So this Humvee walk, drives up alongside us. They throw this guy in handcuffed into the back of the Humvee. The soldier steps in and they drive off, leaving me standing on the side of the road. But by the time I arrived in Costa Rica, I'm just, I'm paranoid, really. Everything's going wrong, and I feel that God's asking me in prayer, let it go. Something happens. I don't want you to fight back. I knew if I said yes, it's lip service. Because I knew if I get back in that same situation, someone's trying to beat me up again, or they're putting a gun to my head or whatever, I'm going to fight back. I was, I had no patience now. It was very raw. But over the next three days, as I was walking from the coast up over the mountains to the capital city of San Jose, Stunning, beautiful wilderness walking up through the mountains, spider monkeys throwing nuts at me, big Ulysses butterflies, toucans, the birds on the Fruit Loop packets flying around. Kept praying and I kept vexing over that sense. Let it go. And it was on the third day walking into San Jose, I thought, okay, God, I'll let it go. I won't fight back. And at that moment, I was so scared because I thought this is going to be tested in some way, shape or form. I arrived in San Jose with nothing happening, had a rest day, and then walked on. As I walked on the next day, for the very first time, people joined me in the journey. Uh, Damien and Tatiana Berger, who now live in Melbourne, but they lived in Costa Rica, and 10 or 11 uh, catechesis students. They ran a youth group, they ran a, a catechetical group, and they walked with me. It was one of my shortest days, 18 kilometres, between San Jose and Alahuelia, halfway through it. Four men appeared on the side of the highway, on the other side, ran across the road, taking their shirts off, not to show us how buff they were, but to wrap the shirts around their heads, which in Central America is kind of their way of... Becoming a militia. Well, yeah, yeah. You're putting, it's like putting That's a, a balaclava on. Mm. Yeah, you're disguising your face. And they walked down the road towards us, and they, they slowed down as though to act normal. In adverted commas. <laughs> and I remember thinking... Just that cash. Don't, don't patronise me. 
we all know what you're about to do. And we'd already spoken about the fact that, okay, everyone keep your heads down. It was obvious what was about to happen. Don't patronise us by just trying to act normal right now. They walked past us. They even The first guy nodded hello to me as he walked past. But once they'd stretched out past us, they produced long, long blade knives. They pinned me and Damien, we were the, the two bigger guys, pinned us while the other two went and stripped everyone in between of all their possessions. They stole sunglasses off their heads, wallets, watches, the works, backpacks off them. The guy mugging me, though, was, he was tiny. He was really short. I mean, he can't, seriously, <laughs> he didn't even come up to my chest. I, I'm, I'm six foot five, 196 centimetres, but the bloke was tiny. He looked like Che Guevara, the Cuban <laughs> revolutionary. And at one point, he couldn't get my backpack undone. So he removed the knife from my abdomen, put it into the back of his jeans and reached up with both hands to undo my backpack. And at that point, I thought, this is my chance. Wrong move. <laughs> Bad move, Shay. You're done. <laughs> and in my mind, seriously, I'm thinking, just grab him around the back of the head, lay him onto my knee hard, he's out cold, done with, and then deal with the other guys. And I actually made a bit of a motion towards him. There was a sense of, I've gotcha. Made a movement towards him, and in that moment, remembered what I'd prayed, which was, I'm not going to fight back, and just stood there going, oh, this is genuinely frustrating. I, he's wide open right now. He's fumbling with the backpack. He eventually got it off me, but then he couldn't put it on. So he had to sit down on the ground in front of me on the road trying to put my backpack on, and I'm standing there thinking, what do you want me to do, God? Like, actually help this guy to mug me. Stood there, he put the backpack on. The other guys had finished at that point. They started running, so he staggered to his feet and took off running with my backpack on. At that point, police came from everywhere. People driving past on the six-lane freeway had called the police in, thankfully. So as they ran, police descended from both sides. Uh, Damien and I gave chase through the traffic, but the four men made it to the end of the, the bridge that we were on at the time and ran down into a ravine. The police just pulled their guns and started shooting at these guys. Uh, welcome to Central America. And then the four guys made the bottom of the ravine, having not been hit, not been shot, and they split, two to the north, two to the south. Um, and the police then set off pursuing them, but we were able to then regroup. We were all on a massive adrenaline rush, and, but at the same time, very happy that we were okay. Nothing really bad had happened. We, we'd lost possessions. I remember Tatiana, Damien's wife, saying, at least we're all okay, and that's the main thing here. We lost some possessions, everything else, everything else is replaceable. Everyone's okay. One of the girls though, couldn't stop crying. And we were trying to calm her down. And we're saying, look, it's okay, you know? Yes, it was bad, it was a bit traumatic, but we're all okay now. And eventually she managed to almost blubber out the guy that kept walking up to me, kept lifting his shirt up and saying, and showing me the gun that he had tucked into his jeans and kept saying to me, if that big guy down the end, me, if that big guy down the end moves and touches my mate, you're the first to die. And she said, we were both looking at Sam when he actually made a half step towards him and he reached for the gun. Wow. And then he took his hand off the gun when I stepped back. Now, I've got to say this, it wouldn't have been my fault. It's that guy's decision. But I had an opportunity to do what God was asking me to do. And that would have had a massive impact on her life to that extent. Now, this became prayer over the course of the journey. For me, prayer over the course of the walk around the world wasn't about nice little prayers. It was hard because I had too much time on my hands to not be able to hear God's response. And that's where prayer took a whole new twist. That this mm. wasn't just about what I prayed for. Prayer essentially became about putting time aside to listen. To listen which is what I've learnt from both of you. That was a lesson from both of you prior to the walk around the world in various forms. And I wanted to ask you blokes what your journey was to discovering prayer. 
and going from a, a childhood notion of what prayer is and how your your understanding of prayer has changed over the course of your lives. Changed or 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 come back to that. Oh, so you actually started somewhere at quite Well I deep. as a as a kid, not I think it's quite you know, it's easy for little children to pray if they've been, you know, taught to because you're totally dependent on other people around you. You're dependent on your parents, you're dependent on so sort of extending that and praying to the father, you know, and being dependent on him is is a pretty easy sort of step to make. Then we get a bit older and we get a bit more sophisticated and generally educate ourselves out of that mindset. For me personally, I um I've like been tried to be committed to praying and to listening to the Lord for, you know, decades. Um, but it was only probably two or three years ago when I really came around to being honest with myself that I was really bad at it. And, I, you know, I've got a short attention span. I, um, I My mind races 100 miles an hour. There's things I like to organise. I want to do stuff. I don't, you know, I don't like sitting around. Um, and and it's a bit of a realisation that I'd been really bad at praying my, my whole life. And I had this, uh, but I wanted to be better at it. But I didn't know how to be better at it because it's it's one less sort of impossible thing to get good at sort of not doing stuff. Was it something you actually used to ask people about? Um, no, not so much. I just, you know, sort of struggled in private. But I had this realisation and I, and I made this, made this realisation where I said, what I might do a few years ago, what I might do is just do what my grandmother did. My grandmother was a saint. She was a magnificent, patient, loving person um, and she said the rosary every day, multiple times a day. Um, and I thought, thought to myself, I'm really bad at it, so I might just, just, I might just do what my <laughs> nonna did. Um, and that changed my life. Praying the rosary every day. Praying the rosary every day. Um, and can I stop for one second? Why? What actually did change? Why did that impact on you? So physically, the rosary creates a structure, gives my body something to do, my mouth and my, my, my hands, and allows my mind to pray and listen at the same time. Gives me the mysteries of the faith to meditate on um, at the same time. It gives me something concrete that I can commit to time-wise, that I can just start and finish this, and, um, and I've, I've done what I sort of, you know, need to do. But I say I found it really difficult. The first the first week was amazingly hard just to settle myself for long enough to um, to pray for 20 minutes, you know, because um, it was never the way that I want to spend the next 20 minutes. I'd be in the car and I think I could just keep listening to morning radio and listen to the same crap that I listened to yesterday because somehow that'll be... Just a little more Bon Jovi. Yeah, but I know all those songs. Um, <laughs> but over the over the the first week was really hard. The first month was after the end of the first month was the game changer. It took a month to get into a rhythm where my body really could accept that I'd be doing this. And about a month in, it it all it all sort of changed, and it became a it ceased to be a difficult thing that I was about to, to do, you know, in the lead up to when I'm, if I'm driving or, or if I'm sitting down on my couch or whatever time I've got that I've decided now I'm going to say the rosary. And it became a really something that became easy and something that I wanted to do. And I'll put that challenge out to everyone, actually. So if you, if you, want, oh, if you want the benefits of the, the church, the faith, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to listen to Jesus, I'd say say a, rose, say a daily rosary and say it every day for a month. After a month, you'll know what I'm talking about. Up until then, it's it's a mystery. And so, pretty much since then, I've been uh, you know I've been I've been as a minimum I've been saying a rosary every day, which leads into other praying continuously um, and other um, and and other devotions etc. Um, but the cornerstone for me is, is saying a daily rosary. And I notice in my life in that time, you know, the Lord keeps changing me for the better. 
um, become more patient. Um, it's very difficult to meditate on the life of Christ and, <laughs> and for it to not penetrate. Yeah. Um, so there was a quote from, I can't remember which saint, but some saint that I read said, um, if you want to, uh, you know, if you, if you meditate on the life of Christ, if you're committing mortal sins and you meditate on the life of Christ for long enough, there's only two things that can happen. You either stop committing mortal sins or you stop meditating on the life of Christ. And if you meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, you're, you're achieving that, you know. So, but on that note, I'd like to present a few, uh, as you know, Sam, a few weeks ago, we got online on rugged rosaries and bought some um, ordered. They're huge. They're huge. <laughs> ordered some new rosary beads. They're not going to fit in my pocket. No, it's not going to fit in your pocket, but they are beautiful. So there's your packet. Oh, that's mine. That's yours. And these, these rosaries are massive. Um, but they're really quite nice. They were the Crusader rosaries, which I thought was controversial, and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was thinking, like on on air, these are these are brand new beads. On air, could would you be able to bless our rosaries, our new rosaries, Father Day, so we could start using them tonight? So, Mike, how would you describe that? What's that? It's a pearl, marbled pearl. Yeah, marbled pearl, marbled pearl, pearl hail mary beads, hail mary beads, a a flat red. Um, our father bead, a huge, big, it's like a silver bronze knot in between. I've got Our Lady of Guadalupe medal. Oh, attached. yeah, I, I picked the miraculous medal. You got the miraculous? Yeah. Uh, and what's the cross? I can't remember what the cross is. This is St. Benedict cross. St. Benedict. It is too. There it is on the back. And, and, and just so that people understand, the actual rosary is about a foot and a half long. <laughs> These, are <laughs> <they're big. laughs> These are massive. Well, they're meant to be, I and mean, this is the thing, is that the Dominicans wear the rosary on their left-hand side of their habit. So I actually, I do have in my pocket right now my my rosary beads, well, my original rosary beads. Oh, who doesn't? Oh, you do too, in your left. And the reason I've got that, oh, Father Dave does too. Three out of three. There we go. But yours are nice. Angels. Nice. So he's made out of rope? Yeah, someone oh. gave these to me for an ordination present. And uh, they've been, well, the, the, the cross actually broke when we were building the chapel over the summer. Oh. And so I had to replace it. Yep. But uh, everything else, yeah. And that is an MGL cross? Uh, that, that is actually, uh, so the, the MGLs were the cross and flame. Um, this was the cross and flame I was given when I took my initial vows. Right. It then one day fell off and got driven over the top of. And so it doesn't actually work well to pin onto a shirt, but I figured I need a, a replacement cross and a rosary. So yeah. yeah. The weapon. But the, the Dominicans wear it on the, the left-hand side of their habit because that is where traditionally, particularly for a right-hander, that's where your, well, your that's scabbard right. would be with, with yeah. your sword. And and like in medieval armies, there's no such thing as left-handers. Like everyone did everyone did what they were trained to do to fit in. <laughs> that's right. Nanny-pamby. So this was the, the weapon of the church, the prayer. So I should give this to you, Father Dave, please, to please bless them. Okay, so... Blessing on air. Here we go. So Lord, <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for the beautiful gift of the rosary. Pray you bless these that wherever they are prayed, they may really allow your love and your truth to shine out and draw us ever closer to your heart and the heart of your mother. Pray a blessing, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Uh, and just to uh, describe Marty's, Marty has not gone for the marbled pearl. Marty's gone for jet black. With gold, black, black with bronze trim. Oh, is it bronze trim? Is it? Yep. All Sorry, right. I see that. All I see is Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and where do I stick these? Put that back in the bag for later. Oh, I've got a bag. I forgot about the bag. I've got a bag. I think they are the the home ones, the home beats. Yeah. So the, the rosary was something that I encountered many years later. Um, I joined youth mission team as a 21, 22-year-old. And it just so happened in that year that our ministry coordinator, Lydia, used to get us to pray a rosary on the way to the school every every morning. And so that's where I was introduced to the rosary. And I remember being so annoyed because I had brought with me mixed tapes or mixed CDs of music to play. And we had to instead pray the rosary. And it was genuine annoyance. And eventually the routine came about. But it was... Probably another 10 years later, a good friend who's now become 
a sister, a consecrated sister with an order, sent me a 54-day novena. And I remember looking at it going, is this to help me or is this punishment? 54 days praying a rosary. But at the end of it, it had genuinely become habit and my day felt, my day felt very empty, not meditating on the mysteries of Christ, I, of the, of the, the life of Christ. I find times like, you know, I'll, I'll go to bed and I'll be trying to go to sleep and I'll realize that I haven't said my rosary that day and pull it out and um, sometimes wake up halfway through as I hear the beads drop onto the mattress. But um, because... <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I, it's the same for me. It's the the the, the day's sort of incomplete without um, giving our Lord and Our Lady, you know, that time of, of a rosary. Mm. Well, the, the first thing though, well before that was doing what they call a Life in the Spirit seminar. That was the big turning point for me, which was learning about the Holy Spirit and inviting the Holy Spirit to guide me, and then scripture reading. That was where prayer took off for me, where it, it became so different, actually sitting in mass listening to the gospel and it meaning something, not just random words. And a number of times thinking, I've heard this gospel so many times before, but now it means something. Um, so both through the Holy Spirit and through scripture reading initially, and then the rosary later on. Father Dave, you've been quiet in the corner. Now you're the, the priest here. You're the holiest one. Uh-huh. You're the one that we go to for advice. What's been your journey? Journey of prayer. Mm. I just enjoy sitting back and listening to the stories and reflecting as on my own journey. So I, I think I discovered prayer without actually realizing that I was praying, if that makes sense. Like I That's so talented. I <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you talked about, you know, going through a journey then coming back to the beginning again. I, I think it was a bit like that, where I I was a very quiet kid. Um, still am very introverted. I enjoy my silence. But when, when I was growing up, I, I had this dog that was extremely protective of me. And it was the best thing because it meant that no one could come near me if the dog was with me. And that meant that I had complete freedom. Like I could mm. go anywhere. If the dog was with me, my parents were like, yeah, he's safe. You know, we're talking, no, we talking Rottweiler or Shih Tzu? Uh, he was a Labrador Kelpie Cross. Okay. Half over to But great dog. But, but it meant that as, as, as a, you know, a young kid, primary school, you know, afternoons, I'd just go off there for these long walks, go climb a tree or something. And, and the dog would just do its thing. And, that was kind of the point where I think I had started to really encounter something or someone um, without even particularly realising it. Like I, I'd, I'd be, you know, sitting in a tree pondering the deep mysteries of the universe as a eight or nine year old does. Um, but I think I, I was genuinely encountering something and because I kept finding myself being drawn back to that, that place of silence. Like I, I think I just genuinely enjoyed being there. It was probably late primary school, someone gave me a Bible and a rosary. And I probably did the very strange thing and actually started using both of them. Um, most people were like, oh, thanks, put that on the shelf and never look at it again. Um, now, that was probably, I suppose, the influence probably of my grandparents as well. Like, um, you know, they, well, my, my grandfather, they, he was, you know, every, every day at Mass, you know, and I, there, there must have been something there I thought, okay, he's onto something. I want to be like him. <laughs> so I think there was, there was something which sparked me off to actually start praying the rosary. You know, that would be like the age of 12 or something. Um, and I started reading a chapter of scripture every night before I'd go to bed. Um, and once again, something was just drawing me. I didn't really know what it was because uh, that's weird. You know, like the rest of the day, I'd be watching cartoons and, you know, doing what normal kids do. But there was something, something that captured me. And I was just like, that's where I feel at peace. Now, got into high school and very quickly lost all of that. Um, but it was probably around sort of late high school, very early university, was where I think I came back to it. And I, and I think after I'd gone through this whole journey away from away from prayer, like I was still involved in a youth group, but it was a Sunday thing. The rest of the day, the rest of the week, prayer wasn't really much of my life. Um, The rest of the week, prayer wasn't really much of my life. Um, but it was when I was at university, I think that's, that, that's sort of like a drawing on me started to come back again. You know? and, I, and I found myself probably very discontent with the university life. All my friends were worshipping at the Great Temple of the university pub. Um, and, Wednesday nights. 
That was the only one. That, okay. that was the yeah, we, were, we were there. Yeah. <laughs> Different uni. But. Different uni. But, um, you know, I could see they weren't actually happy. I wasn't actually content. And I felt myself almost just going back to that memory of where I was content. You know, mm. And so it was where I'd be riding home from uni and I'd just drop into the church. Um, and I'd just sit there for 10 minutes. And I'm just like, I feel so much more at peace here than I do anywhere else. That was why I always loved adventure. And I, I don't like it when people just look at what I did and go, oh, you're such a risk taker. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's the exact opposite. It was that I felt the most incredible peace in that solitude and yeah. in exploring. Yeah. In, in When you're out in wilderness exploring a mountain or a river or a canyon, whatever it might be. It's just the other people around you, you know, getting lost in the dark on the top of the mountain. You know, they, they sort of see you as a risk taker. Marty, don't bring facts into this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's okay, I, we got off safely. Got... <laughs> I fully agree with that. And that, you know, I, I think that's where my press started in times of solitude, you know, at the local park. <laughs> that's about as adventurous as a 12 year old gets. Whereas I lived on one and a half thousand acres in central Tassie. Yes. <laughs> so I, just, I was in the backyard. <laughs> exactly. Same thing, yeah. the local park. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for me, so many of my most profound. Prayer experiences have been where I've been out in the mountains by myself. But because, because the whole thing is like, like prayer is not just something to make you feel good or something to ask for something, but it's actually an encounter. It, it's those mm. moments when you realize God knows what you need, you know. And, and for me, I mean, I, I'm a pretty stubborn sort of person. I think the only times God breaks through is when I'm at the point of desperation. Um, and that's where I stop being self-sufficient. And I actually realise, hang on, he knows what I need. I do find that, like, you know, when I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to act, that he knows how stubborn I am and, and generally starts that some hours <laughs> or days earlier than the action actually needs to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know, I've, I've, I've had a, a number of times where, you know, but one of the classic stories I always tell, I was, I was cycling when I was studying in Melbourne. I'd gone out to visit some relatives who live in a, a town out in the country. And I was riding back, uh, I'd stayed out there for a few days, and it was like the worst cycling day ever. I think I'd had four or five flat tyres, um, and I got to the point... I had Why'd no, you continue? Well, I, I, I hit the point where I was like, I've got no more spare tubes, no more patches, and I'm, I'm at, in this town about 40 k's from Geelong, and I'm just like, I'm stuck. Like, if, if I can just hitch a ride to Geelong, I can beg for money for the train and get myself home... And so I was praying. I was like, thank you, God, give me a ute or a truck. Like, I need something big enough for me and the bike. Um, so I, I had my idea of what the answer was going to be. Mm. And I was trying to tell God that he needed to do that because it was rational. And I was there maybe, I don't know, two hours. in the, <laughs> and, and I'm just praying. And praying. I'm, I'm, I'm at a petrol station because I figured that's the best chance I've got. People are going to stop. I can ask them. And there's nothing. Well, well, there's heaps of utes and trucks, but they keep going straight past me. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is not working. It's going to be sunset soon. And then I'm, I'm in real trouble. And as I'm standing there, this thought goes through my head, just saying, you're going to get picked up by a Protestant minister. And I just laugh thinking, I've been in the sun for too long. Like, like that, that's, come on, God, give me a ute or a truck. Like, I need, I need something. No, nope, you said I'm sending a Protestant minister. <laughs> but so anyway, half an hour later, I'm still praying frantically and nothing's happening. And this station wagon pulls into the petrol station. And this guy gets out wearing a fancy suit. I can see his wife's all dressed up for some important thing, but the back of his station wagon's empty. I'm like, oh, maybe he, I could put my bike in there. Did you say, excuse me, are you a Protestant minister? <laughs> well, no. So I, I look terrible. I'm covered in bike grease. And I, I went up to him and said, look, this is the story. Can you help me out? And he was a bit reluctant because he was going to some fancy dinner and I looked terrible. Anyway, he says, okay, throw your bike in, get in the car, and as we take off, his wife turns around and says, oh, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm a seminarian, so I'm going to be a Catholic priest. And she just laughed and said, oh, my husband's a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> <laughs> but it's those sort of things where, where God's just like, look, I actually want to be in relationship with you. Like, I actually want to look after you. Let's, let's do this together. Like, like, instead of you just trying to do it yourself and only ask me when you need it, let's actually be in relationship. Yeah. So I think that's, that's where my prayer now is, is very much one of just... Just being with a good friend, you know. It's And it's difficult to take it from the McDonald's drive through prayer of you put your order in and then mm. you hope you get what you ordered when you get to the window. And hope you don't have to pay too much for it. Yeah. 
Well, I had a similar thing to yours in, in Russia, and we had a good chat about this after it had mm-hmm. happened, but this was the culmination of everything bad that could happen in that I, in four, I had, I'm, I'm accident prone, right? And even right now, while we're recording this podcast, I'm Correct. sitting here, I've just had 10 stitches removed from my back. My right ankle is heavily bandaged and really badly bruised. I sprained it badly, two separate incidences. I've also got bad arthritis. But on... Are there any bits you haven't broken? Oh, I haven't ever done a collarbone. You need to become a cyclist then. <laughs> Life's still young. At uh, 40, yes. I've had uh, 15 or 16 broken bones. And I split my kidney in half. That hurt. That nearly killed me. But... It's different. We're off, we're off topic. <laughs> in, in Russia, four separate little accidents in the snow just slips and I tore so four in three and a half days I think I managed to tear the cartilage in both knees badly and strain both Achilles Achilles tendons badly so I really couldn't move any of those four joints one of them I could move I think one of the ankles I could move a little bit but that's about it on one of the knees the left knee the cartilage had locked the the knee completely physically locked it it had torn and doubled over into the joint and I just happen to be getting slower and slower each day. So I'm finishing later in the day, which means I'm waking up a little bit later the next morning and that's compounding. And then it just, there was one morning I woke up, I'd missed my alarm. I had, I had actually turned it off and fallen back to sleep. So I shouldn't say I missed it. I made that cardinal sin of not getting up straight away. And I woke up at, I think, 10 a.m. And it was 72 kilometers to the next town which was already going to be sunrise to sunset and a bit more. Uh, so I headed off knowing I'm not going to make the town. And I thought, I'll just make it halfway. And then I'll hitch a ride either back to where I stayed last night or in the other direction. And then I'll hitch a ride back the next morning, back to the middle point and continue on from there. That was the plan. Everything covered in snow, middle of winter. It's January in Russia. That's not how Dominic did it. Dominic was smart. Yeah, just so. My dad even said to me, after telling my parents that I was going to do this walk, dad came up to me. And I've got to put this in perspective. Dad doesn't, dad doesn't go to church. Dad believes in sheep and cows. I don't know what dad believes in. Dad came up to me and he said to me, you're walking through Russia in winter. I said, yep, which I was quite excited about. And dad said to me, you do realize that both Napoleon and Hitler came to their demise trying to do just that. I said, yes, Dad, but they were walking in the other direction <laughs> and being shot at. But it, did, it was actually in that, in that very area where the Nazis dug down. It, I was in that very spot, anyone who cares about history. I got halfway through the day, was in agonising pain because of the cartilage damage and the strain Achilles tendons, and a blizzard set in. By the time, and the sun, it was one of those days where you don't really realise the sun sets. It's just, it's already in a blizzard, it's dim, and then it's just, oh, the sun's gone. It's just, it goes from really dim to just, you know, it's dark. And no one's going to pick me up in the middle of the countryside in Russia during a blizzard. They're not even seeing me until they flash past me. And I didn't want to put my tent down in the blizzard out there. I just thought it's just, it was, it was so uncomfortable. The only thing I wanted to do was keep walking. I didn't want to slow down. It was so cold and kept walking. By 3 a.m., I was in agonizing pain. I was getting electric shocks, getting nerve damage from the knees because of the torn cartilage. And it it was like hitting an electric fence. Now, I know what that is because I live on a farm, but I don't know if you guys have ever hit an electric fence or gotten a little electric shock. We've all got static shocks. A little bit worse than a static shock. I've touched the electric fence on your farm. You have. Congratulations. When was that? A uh, long time ago. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I did recently try to straddle a fence. I forgot it was electric. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> the worst thing is I hit the deck and the cows were nearby. They all just stared. Just as if to say, we know. You should have known too. But I was getting electric shocks up through my legs. Um, and then started, I, I was out of food and water. So I was hungry, dehydrated, but I'm now starting to do head nods while I'm walking. And I had a moment where I just stopped and stared at the fluffy white snow and thought, my goodness, that looks comfortable. But I knew that if I lay down in that snow, I'll go to sleep comfortably, but I won't wake back up. 
I'll go into a coma in that snow, in this blizzard, in sub-zero temperatures. And just stood there and actually cried, just staring at the snow, because I didn't want to lay down, but I couldn't take another step. And eventually turned, I think I'd stood there for long enough for the pain to dissipate, walked on. Uh, another hour later, the pain was back even worse, turned again, this time took a few steps towards the snow and just burst out crying again and just said, God, I, I don't want to die now. I don't want to die here. Send an old Russian. I didn't pray for a ute. I, what I prayed for was, Lord, send me a Russian dude on a tractor. I don't care. Just send someone <laughs> to come and get me out of this blizzard. Just get me out of here. Bilocate me. I don't care. Just get me out of this situation. And it was actually in that moment that it, just in my mind's eye, caught a glimpse of Jesus carrying the cross past me, all bloodied, and just turned to me and just nod, just a nod of thank you for walking this with me and walk on into the blizzard. And me standing there going, that's not fair. You can't do that. So that's the same as St. Peter, Quo Vardis, where, where Peter was running away from Rome with after Nero's persecution um, because the Christians are being put to death in Rome and sees a vision of Jesus with his cross walking back to Rome and says to him, Quo Vartis, which means where are you, where are you going? going? Quo Vartis Domini, where are you going, Lord? And he says, I'm going back to Rome to get crucified again. again. Yeah. And St. Peter says, okay, righto, goes back to, goes back to Rome I, I was, and gets crucified. Upside down. Upside down. I was at least walking in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was giving up. I was stopping at that point. And, and I had this moment of that's just, that's not fair. But there was this most incredible sense of hope in that as well, that there's purpose in this, in walking this, and to an extent encountering the pain of disunity through the physicality of the walk. Over the next hill, the next hill, 24-hour hotel on the side of the road. I just had to get over that hill, just walk on one little, you're just nearly there, mm. and able to walk in 72 kilometres through the night. I think it was 4 or 5 a.m. by the time I arrived there. Did you uh, sleep in the next morning? <clears throat> no, I couldn't sleep. My, ba my body was in so much pain. My hips were awful. Just the pain, couldn't sleep. Got up at 10, having not slept, had a shower, walked on. It was like, have you ever seen someone... That, in an accident, but the adrenaline's pumping so much, they get up. You might have seen it in cycling, Father Dave, where someone stacks it, but they get up and they, they go another 10 metres mm. and then sit down. Or in cycling, they go another 100 kilometres. And... <laughs> That's called the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same thing happened. I had to walk on another day, and the next day slept 14 hours, I think, and had my accommodation paid for me by a Lithuanian truck driver. Who turned up again? He a was week not. Later. He was not a tractor. He was in a truck, which they call tractors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to ask a question. I want to ask you guys um, just about your daily, weekly prayer routines, because, and I think I should go first because I feel like I do it pretty well until I hear what you guys do, and then I don't think I'll think that anymore. <laughs> well, you can go first because you brought it up. Okay. Thank you. So, <clears throat> so, Marty, what do you do for a daily and weekly prayer routine? I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Sam. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I, a couple of things I do in terms of structured prayer. As soon as I wake up in the morning, still lying in bed, I like to say, glory be. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I remember, so I'm cutting in. I remember, this, this had a big impact on me. We were at university and we were talking about prayer, just a very basic prayer. You said, I love the glory be. It's the most powerful, and you you clenched a fist and did an, a bit of an uppercut, and you said it's just it's got guts. I love it. Yeah. And to hear a uni student, and you were what half back for the Tassie rugby team, whatever you were. Yeah, fullback. Yeah. Fullback, sorry, fullback for the Tassie rugby team. To hear a bloke actually talk about a, a prayer, juniors, with, <laughs> with passion, hmm. had a, and I still remember that every time I hear the I pray the glory breathe. Glory be, I still remember your love of that prayer. Well, that's how you begin. That's how I begin my day, as soon as I wake up. Because I just think it's a good thing to remind myself of that 
um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, are, are are in control, are in charge, and deserve our praise, regardless of how I feel, whether I'm tired or not. So I talk to say that before breakfast, I say glory be, um, and then you know get into whatever I need to do. Um, like I said before, I make sure I say a rosary every day. Um, and in addition to that, I do a fair bit of flying these days. As soon as I get on an aeroplane, um, regardless of whether I've already said a rosary that day, the first thing I do on an aeroplane is say a rosary, mainly because I don't want to, because I want to watch a movie on the plane or do my reading or whatever I need to do. And I think, no, I'm going to give the first, the first 15, 20 minutes of this I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give to the Lord. Um, I'll set an alarm on my phone and at 12 o'clock every day I get, a, I get a beep, beep, beep kind of thing, which is a bit interesting for people. I'll be in meetings or something. When I hear the beep, I'll stop and say the Angelus um, for midday. Oftentimes, oftentimes at work in meetings, I'll just go quiet for a little bit and <laughs> the conversation will go on around me and I don't listen for oh, the three minutes, two minutes that it takes to say the Angelus. And they turn to you and say, Marty, and you say, Amen. I mean, um, yes. Yes. <laughs> and the last thing is that sort of more a weekly sort of uh, routine is on on Wednesdays and Fridays, I I do a fasting routine, mainly because in one, I don't, can't really remember which apparition, but our lady asked us to fast for, um, for the world and make reparation of sins. So on Wednesday and Friday, I don't eat until lunchtime, which is... I know there are better and bigger fasts you can do, but but that is normally pretty painful just in itself. So no coffee and no no breakfast. So I go up through lunchtime. Then when my alarm clock goes for the Angelus, I say the Angelus, and then I'll go and get lunch <laughs> <laughs> and walk straight out of the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the essence of my sort of fixed, you know, what fixed prayer, fixed prayer routine, well, I formal prayer routine. I want to throw something in here because you've forgotten something. Yeah. But we haven't mentioned. I know it ties in with your prayer routine, but I think it's pretty cool that you do this on Tuesdays, Marty. What do you do on Tuesdays? Oh, on Tuesdays, I go with a uh, small bunch of hombres from my parish, and we go to our church at eight o'clock on Tuesday night, and we walk around it saying the rosary, praying for conversions. Yeah. And um. We only started that oh, this year, you know, months ago, six months ago, and um, and that is an amazing little pilgrimage. We every every Tuesday night, get up after dinner, get up, go. We drive, we don't walk to it, but you know, um, it's, it's a little little pilgrimage which takes you out of your out of your home and down to your church, and a bit like a uh, bit like the Battle of Jericho, do uh, do laps around it. Um, while saying the rosary, and I've got to say, when I'm even when I'm travelling now, um, if I'm in another city, I normally go on a Tuesday night. I can't imagine a Tuesday night without finding a church to walk around and saying the rosary. So in other in other cities of the country and around the world, you might see me on a Tuesday night if you you know. Well, which we did last night because we are today recording on a Wednesday. Yeah, and so last night we sat outside the chapel of Saint Mary MacKillop of the Cross in North Sydney. That's right. Found a chapel. Yeah, it was difficult to walk around because the gates are locked. Yeah, it's internal, but we we sat in the uh, little area at the back and prayed a rosary there. Yeah. Mm. Well, how about I go next? Because I suspect mm. Father Dave that your prayer routine's a little bit more structured than ours. Yes. So mine's probably more similar to Marty. It was actually your parents, Marty, who invited me many years ago to join the adoration list. And I asked them, what's that? Oh, so, okay, before you go on, on Wednesday mornings at my local parish, there's adoration. And on days, because I don't, I don't work full time, so I'm sort of contrary. On, on days that I can, I love going to adoration on Wednesday mornings as well. Anything else you want to add? No, that's until you, we'll prom until until you prompt, prompt me, me again. again. <laughs> <laughs> so your parents invited me to, to do adoration and, and I... I asked them, what is it? I'd never heard of it. And I was in my 20s. Uh, and they explained what it is. And I said, so what do you do? And they said, you just, you can pray, but you can just, you just be with the Lord. I said, cool, but what do you do? What am I supposed to do? Just kneel. What, for an hour? Yes. And do what? Well, you just, it was this, I just wasn't getting it. But um, it was your mum that just smiled at me and said. Just, she was much nicer to you than oh, she, she was to Oh, she was lovely us. to me. She still is. <laughs> 
Well, she could. She, I was kind of the project without the responsibility. I think. I think your mum needed that after. Favorite son, guys. Sam. Yeah. Uh, so adoration was a, was a big part of it. Um, what's happened though, and what I've struggled with is that I've moved from Sydney, where I was a part of a parish where we had adoration every week, and I was able to go to mass every day. And I've moved to Central Tassie, where we have mass only once a week. There's no weekday mass at the moment. So it's, yeah, it's Sunday Mass. Uh, would prefer that it was weekday Mass. Although Father Dave does come down to help with the chapel, at which point I have weekday Mass again in our little chapel as we're building, which is pretty awesome. Mm. Tools down, tools out. <laughs> Clean it for a second and we keep going. My prayer, similar to you, Marty, I begin with the glory be in the morning with a fist pump. Actually, what I do begin with is the, the first line of the divine office. Mm. Oh, Lord, open my lips, and I shall praise your name. And then glory be. Um, and then say so quick prayer to start my day, and that's before I've even got out of bed. That's when I first wake up, before I reach for my phone, do anything. During the day, I'll pray a rosary each day. And similar to you, Marty, we'll try to pray at least a rosary. I read St. Louis de Montfort's The Secrets of oh, the Rosary. Brilliant. Yeah, well, you gave it to me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really challenging. Did you, did you give it back? No. Do you want it back? I'm about to give you another no, book. I, bought, I, bought, I, I brought a book for you. I today. bought two more copies after I gave you that one. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Can I give? I'll give it to someone else. They're cheap. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Good. I found it really challenging when I discovered that the rosary originally was actually all. Well, it was three mysteries, and then I've got four. But originally, it was all three mysteries in the course of the day. What I considered a rosary was only a third of it. But they only said the first half of the Hail Marys, didn't they? Oh, did they? So it was like longer but shorter. So it was still only okay. like a half hour. Well, we've got four now. I've been trying to do the whole... So I have done it a few times. I try and pray all... If I'm working on the farm... There's no halves with you, is it? I'll try to... <laughs> try to pray all four rosaries over the course of the day. But I can only do that if I'm using Dad's excavator doing excavation work because I'm locked in the cabin. Do you understand why it was all three mysteries? 150 psalms. Well, yeah, so the monastic tradition was that they would pray the psalms. So over the course of a week, they'd pray all 150 psalms. Mm. Um, but obviously this was a time when most people didn't know how to read. And so for the average peasant, this was a, a way of scriptural prayer without actually having to read. So you can memorise... The prayers, which were very much taken from Scripture, you know, the Hail Mary. And let's face it, I read less than you two. So the rosary is great for me. Yeah, it's great for me too. <laughs> and so it was, it, was, it was kind of like, a, like almost like a layperson's monastic I, I, prayer. I, I identify with the peasant comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be the peasant. You, you dig the earth just with big, big machines. And, yes. Or you, you, you tell people to do Watch it. Watch other people. <laughs> no, that's your job. You're the engineer. Yeah. You don't even watch them. You just tell them to walk away and get back on your plane. Um, I've got him in my Bible in front of me. I'm just trying to find the marker where I'm up to. Every time I'm working on the chapel at the moment, I pray one of the Psalms. I can't find the, the marker. I'm up around 90, Psalm 90, but I'm. that's just once every time I go to the chapel and we'll work on that, building that, pray so one you, of the Psalms. you use the Psalms to measure how many days you've been working on the chapel? Well, no, because I, I had done a lot of work on the chapel before I started that. No, that's not what your Psalm count says. Well... <laughs> That's, no, simple mathematics, Marty. So 90 Psalms plus X. <laughs> A little bit of algebra for you. So yeah, uh, rosary. I also do similar thing with the, the beginning of the divine office at the end of the day before I go to bed um, and some extra prayers there. Uh, while I'm traveling, try to get to, to mass each day as well. Uh, confession which I'm sure you didn't hear. Can I prompt you, Marty, here? Confession. Try to get to confession. Yeah, every month or at two. At least every month. Yep. And which is really handy, actually, having friends who are priests. I've gotten over the embarrassment of that and think it's actually a, it's a, it's more of a double blessing in a way to have friends now who are priests and be able to go to confession because you know that you, if there's pride there, you can confess that too. I didn't want to come and even confess this because... I didn't want you to know it, so I should confess pride too. So confession is a big mm. part of that. I'm trying to do a bit more spiritual reading. Oh, Marty. One other thing. Yes. Add a little I, bit more information. Uh, yeah. I, a little I, bit more information. I, um, Add a little bit more information. 
I think it's I, I try I try to go to mass twice a week, right? So Sunday mass obviously um, every week, and I just try to make sure at least one other time a week I go to mass. And in a in a lot of ways, because you know when I go to Sunday mass, I, I, you know there's other things I've got to think about with. Um, kids and family and organising them and that kind of thing. In a lot of ways, weekday mass is a lot simpler and um, and allows me to focus better. Back to you. Thanks, Marty. I'm just remembering your dad had a prayer, a prayer chair, and he only ever sat in it to pray. He never sat in it to do anything else. The so prayer he, chair. The prayer chair. Well, I found that out because I accidentally sat in it one day. Oh, were yeah. you praying? What? <laughs> no, I sat down to watch TV. Oh, <laughs> rookie mistake. Oh, yeah. You make that mistake once. Yeah, and I did, I did actually have to move. <laughs> uh, and silence, I, I should say that, just finding time to be silent. And, well, I shouldn't say silence, just chatting, conversation with Jesus, mm. but being still and quiet, waiting for a response. And when you hear a response, you really got to act on it. Yes, which I didn't. The other day, I felt I, honestly, I felt that God said to me while praying, go home. Early. I was sitting on the farm, go home early. And I thought, yep, I will. I will go home early as soon as I finish this. And delayed obedience is disobedience. And then sprained my ankle, jumped out of the excavator, straight onto a knobbly bit of ground and just hit the deck hard. I was praying a rosary at the time, so I continued to pray my rosary while laying on the deck, finished that decade and then proceeded to try and get up and couldn't put weight on it and it's bruised and bandaged at the moment. So yes, delayed obedience. What, what was you saying there? Delayed obedience is, is disobedience. disobedience. Yes. Father Dave. Prayer life. Show us how it's done. Well. Lock and load. <laughs> so uh, obviously I've, I'm in a very different situation to you guys. I love the fact that Marty and I both put food in our mouths <laughs> just as you start to talk. Because you're expecting this to go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously living in a religious order, the whole of our environment is about prayer. Um, you know, consecrated life is, we, we, we talk of it as being very much like a marriage. Like, like you are, you've devoted your whole life to being loved by Christ and to love Christ in return. Um, so pretty much prayer is all I really do. And like work is what I do in between, in a sense. Mm. Um, and it's great. I love it. And like, like any marriage relationship, I'm sure it has its difficulties. And there are times where you'd rather not be around the person you're married to. Um, but that's the nature of relationship. It, it, it's often hard work. But you you committed to it. You find joy in it. Um, so my day begins. Well, my, most days begin at five thirty. I'd be up, get into the chapel fifteen minutes later. Um, so so we pray the divine office. Sorry, five thirty. So five thirty in the morning. Um, by about five forty-five, I'm in the chapel. So the divine office. The so six o'clock morning prayer is that? Yeah. So, uh, but I, I try and pray the office of readings beforehand. So the, the divine office is basically what we we're saying before about praying the psalms. And you think I'm full on. <laughs> No compromise. <laughs> 6am morning prayer. I'll get there at 5.15. 5.45. So yeah, so start the day. So, so the divine office is broken up at like, you know, five different times during the day, praying the Psalms. So uh, we, we pray that as a community together at 6am. Uh, we then have an hour of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and then every day's program is a little bit different, but we normally then have Mass or the Rosary um, and so, so that, that's kind of our communal prayer each day together. We, we then encourage all of our guys to get a second hour of adoration at some point during the day or a second hour of prayer. Um, so if, if I'm close to home, I'll be in the chapel. Otherwise, I'll be going for a walk or just sitting somewhere praying. Um, but then, I mean, that, that's kind of the structured prayer. The, the rest of the day is, is a lot of intercession. Like... Um, once again, as MGLs, we, we put a big focus on praying for the salvation of the world. So there's a lot of mm. stuff like fasting, self-denial, just basic intercession. Um, I, I actually love praying while cycling. You know, so cycling's my... I choose walking. Yeah, which is why you've never broken a collarbone. But anyway. Marty chooses flying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for, for, for me at the moment, cycling's my, my main exercise, but it's also just where I... You know, get get out and clean my head. But but I I do a lot of intercession around the city. Like I, last year I kind of hit a point where I was so busy during the day I couldn't get any exercise. So every couple of weeks I'd try and get up early at like three or four a.m. Go out for a two-hour ride. But it was just so good. Like while the whole city's asleep, I'd be a bit a little bit like your 
walking around a church praying the rosary, but this would be riding around the whole city, just interceding, mm. just praying that God would pour out his spirit. and um, Yeah, just great. So that my, that's pretty much my life. Like The whole life is prayer. Um, mm. You know, I was on the train coming in here this morning and just praying the office of readings while everyone else is on their phones doing their stuff. and Instagramming. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're putting religious memes up, though, surely. I'm sure they were. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Amazing. Mm. And what I find particularly amazing is how much you actually do. You you are not. So you are technically a contemplative active. Is that what you call well, it? Well, so, so the MGLs, the Missionaries of God's Love, we would say we're both missionary contemplative. Missionary so, so we are very much active in evangelization, but yeah. we hold the contemplative side very strongly. So uh, obviously having those two hours of adoration every day, once a month, we encourage our guys to go away for three days of solitude. So basically it's almost like a three-day personal retreat um, so we build a little log cabin up in the mountains on a friend's property and i, I love it I'm, I'm heading up there next week and i'll just basically three days of silence just me and the lord I'm, i met one of your brother priests a few years ago and i asked how you were doing and he said to me yeah he's doing well all right i said then how are the, the, the novices going under your instruction and this priest said to me well, if Father Dave doesn't kill them, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting their help to build this little log cabin in the mountains. Uh, yes, they, they learnt a lot and a lot of hard work. A few blisters, but uh, we, it's, a, it's a great little cabin. It's great. <laughs> I want to wrap up this particular episode on prayer by uh, sharing one quick story from, from the walk that does time with you, Father Dave. Uh, I don't know if you remember this moment. I got beaten up in Russia. Mm. I've got some scars across my hands. I've got a nice little scar in the webbing between the thumb and forefinger where a guy's thumbnail went through. Uh, I was beaten up by two blokes and I fought back hard. I didn't throw any punches. I did a lot of shirt punches from my AFL background. Again, the shirt punches Classic. were there. Yeah. Uh, managed to get these guys on the on the ground. Um, they'd done a bit of damage to me. In the meantime, they'd broken my two carbon fiber walking poles. They'd ripped the top strap off my backpack. I ran off down the road eventually, having got away from the I two remember blokes. remember this. You had a video of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you ran away. I got, no, I got 100 metres down the road. <laughs> and I, one of the guys had gone back who gave chase. He went back to help his mate who was still on the ground and helped him off, off the ground. And, and I thought I should film this. So I was 100 metres away at this point. So I pulled so my camera out. the puma. I'm like the this, puma. There's this video <laughs> footage of Sam's face going... <laughs> I just, this, this guy's just beat me up. Um, um, have a look. Oh, <laughs> oh they're coming after me. I better go. <laughs> That's actually pretty precise. <laughs> I kept, what, the, what you've missed though is that I kept filming while running. And I did, I think I did pretty well keeping the camera steady while mm. I ran flat out, while I'm still talking to the camera. And the reason for that. And that was, is commitment to the picture. <laughs> I was sending the video footage home to Australia to Brendan, a friend, and he was editing it all together for some youth groups. And he said to me, look, it's great you talking about the bad stuff the next day, but would you mind actually pulling your camera out as quick as you possibly can? <laughs> and that's what went through my mind at that moment was, I guess this is what Brendan wants, <laughs> and started to, to film them. And I managed to, to run off just as a third guy came running down the hill. And he was running after me, straight at me, whistling at the other two guys because he wanted in on the fight. But he was running after me with an open bottle of vodka, just trying not to spill it as he ran through the road. So I was getting out of there as quick as I could. But leading up to that moment, I was praying a rosary. And I happened to be meditating on the fourth sorrowful mystery, the carrying of the cross up Calvary. And what I was meditating on specifically was Jesus' docility before his aggressors that he didn't fight back. And all of a sudden, I'm in a fight. These two Russian blokes come down the hill and start beating me up. And I didn't stop praying. I stopped praying a rosary, but I didn't stop praying in the moment. And I was saying, I'm sorry, God, I can't do this. I can't not fight back. That These two guys are trying to pummel me for no reason. And I fought back hard. And as I ran off, I was apologizing to God saying, I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. And it suddenly started to mean so much more of the docility of Christ, what it took. Because Jesus didn't just have the right to defend himself. He had the might to as well. And it could have been so easy for him to just click his fingers, drop the cross, everyone drops dead, smite them, turn to, turn to John and go, come on, let's go back to Galilee. <laughs> that was close. It could have been that simple, but he didn't. And, and I walked on from this beating in Russia, just so in awe of how much Jesus loves us. 
And I wrote about it in my blog that week. And Father Dave, you emailed me straight away mm. and said, hang on a second, Sam, you had every right to defend yourself. And I wrote back and said, oh, yeah, I know that's what I wrote about in my blog, but it wasn't really what I meant. What I meant was for the first time in my life, I got a glimpse of Jesus having that right too, and he didn't choose it. And I think I got my words muddled up a bit in my blog that particular week. I was still getting my head around it, but that's what I meant. I, I get it that I had the right to defend myself, but Jesus had that right too. And I, I'd never thought about that. And this is the beauty of bringing prayer into everyday life was that the most bizarre, you know, a, a moment that could have been just a cool story to tell the shearers in the shearing shed when I get back to the farm actually became a lesson in the beauty of Christ's love for us, how deep that love is. And I'll say to this day, the the scourging at the pillar and the carrying of the cross are my two favourite mysteries for that reason of this is how far. And I know the, the crucifixion as well, but for some reason, those two in So particular. we should just ask that, just like, okay, you've, you've declared yours. Favourite favorite mysteries, or not even necessarily individuals, but, set, you know, sets? Ah, uh, too hard for me to choose. I'll pass. <laughs> right. Um, for me, it's for me, it's like, yeah, it's a Sorrowful Mysteries, and it happened because in Lent last year, pumped out Sorrowful Mysteries every day, didn't didn't swap the days, it's Lent. Mm. Sorrowful Mysteries, Sorrowful Mysteries, Sorrowful Mysteries, Sorrowful Mysteries, and by the time, after six weeks of Lent, I had, you know, meditatively understand them a bit better and I love them. I've got to say too, I really do love the fourth glorious mystery, the Assumption. There's a there's a glorious moment in that of trusting in God and the beauty, and the reward for trusting in God and hope in that as well. Marty? Our Lady, our tainted nature's solitary boast. That's what? profound. Say that again. I, I didn't make it up. Say it again. <laughs> Mary is our tainted nature's solitary boast. Wow. Marty, would you like to close us in prayer? Well, no, before we do, I just want to say anyone listening to this, if you're, if you're listening and you don't really appreciate what we're talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out the rosary challenge. I'm going to say you pick up, you buy a pair of rosary beads, you get a set, you, you get them blessed by a priest if you can, and you say a rosary every day for a month, and at the end of that time, you'll know what we're talking about. And grab yourself a Bible as well. And even look up the references to the mysteries themselves. Read on those, meditate on those as well as you go. And now the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Lord, for our time together. Um, please bless our, our, our families and our work and, um, and our audience. Father Dave, I'd like to close this with a blessing. And Lord, we just pray your blessing upon us gathered here and anyone else who's listening. Pray your blessing, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 We are Sons of Thunder. We'll see you in episode three.